0: Hello. Two. Two. Hello. Chat. Two. two, Chat. Two. Two. two,
1: two, Industry. 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 Industry.
0: Industry. Tactics. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to Industry Tactics. My name is Friendly Rich, and this is part two of my conversation with Brian Poole and David Jensen, Ronaldo and the Loaf. I spoke with both of them. They were at David's house in Rioter in Wales. Uh, spending time with each other, hanging out, catching up, and it was a real treat to be able to uh, speak with them about the Title in Limbo project, their collaborative recording that they did uh, along with the residents in San Francisco, released in 1983. I do want to apologize for the quality of this, this podcast. It was done via Skype, did my best on that end, and uh, there are times when my questions overlap their answers. Enjoy the Rod Coddiness of it all. So sit back and prepare to be dazzled. This is part two of my conversation with Ronaldo and the Loaf. We're back at it where do we find you guys now at uh you're at david's house in. yeah
2: R- we're in we're in wales yeah okay what's the weather like it's beautiful absolutely gorgeous right
0: on and, and look out uh, the
3: windows we can see sheep and lambs come on by fields it's very nice
0: wow wow
2: uh, it's a pity we're not on video because i could have taken the ipad over to the window and uh, Showing you what we're seeing,
0: and they're off. So we're into episode two here with Ronaldo and the loaf. What are you guys doing together this weekend? What are you up to?
2: Well, we're doing an interview with some guy in Canada, I think. Wacky. Yeah,
0: you might know him. Wacky. Local, friendly, rich. Okay. Yeah, big fan of his work. Uh, fan.
3: Yeah, yeah. That's what. We're, that's what. We're, no, it's it's one of um. I I, t- I come over and visit Dave probably about twice a year and uh it coincides so yeah we're um long weekend together uh just um talking listening to music going out for curry
1: nice
0: that sort of thing and and what what are you listening to these days guys what did we listen
2: to yesterday um oh we listened to hector zazu oriental night fever whoa which oh, is a great, right. a great album, mm. uh, I, I mean, I never liked disco at the time, but the way he's arranged it, it's just fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Um, Bobby McFerrin. Bobby McFerrin, uh, all, just all a cappella vocal yeah. group, which was good. Uh, an American jazz singer, I just bought an album of hers this week, Melody Gardo, it's an album called The Currency of Man, that's really good. Um, and that's for that's better, back, Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right so, are you guys buying records, CDs? Or are you? How, do, how are you listening to music these days?
2: Well, I buy them as CDs, but then I rip them, and uh, I've got a small streamer uh, based on a Raspberry Pi oh. computer that I listen to most of my most mostly that, or else um, Bluetooth from the iPad to listen to Spotify.
3: Yeah, I listen to Spotify most okay. of the time when um, I'm working and that, so discover all sorts I've so, just uh,
2: discovered so much new music over the last three or four years with Spotify.
0: I'm on Spotify too, gents. I feel very connected with you at this point, and it, it's just so exciting yeah. to have all that access, and and to have seen it grow and, and develop since, well, the early days of you making cassette tapes, I'm sure, right, or even soon, or earlier than that, yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah, it's like it's like a magical mystery tour going on to Spotify, because when you get the, the suggestions for Discover and that, it mm-hmm. takes you anywhere. And uh, so I, I hardly actually bother to get CDs off my shelf yeah. anymore.
0: Yeah. You know what's really yeah. interesting about uh, that is yeah. I, I, I'll use you guys as an example when I talk about, but you still need a hunger, like like cu- curiosity of kids these days having access to all of the... Music, pretty much ever created, right? All all that history on Spotify, but mm-hmm. how do you dig in? How do you get curious and discover Ronaldo and the loaf? You know what I mean? Like I I, I try to think of how I discovered you guys, and it's it's really a friendship thing or a, a friend telling a friend. I don't know. It's it's very interesting the way we come to it. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, there's 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 so much material out there now. I do, You just you can only scratch yeah. the surface, really.
3: Yeah, I mean, most people in the old days, uh, people, you know, would have discovered us because we were on Ralph. And, uh, you know, people that like the residents would say, well, oh, let's check out Ralph Bands. And that's uh, perhaps how they found us as well. But not now. It's not like that anymore, yeah, this, of course. This
0: affiliation. And I think that's what from, if we might get into our episode two here, um, I had such a lovely time speaking with you guys. And, and, and thank you for you know your openness as artists and and it's really it feels almost like a mentorship here I'm really excited about talking to you again when you had mentioned especially the last time that we spoke after reminiscing you know wow we barely scratched the surface on your collaborating with the residents especially on the title and limbo record right I want to talk about um, this episode two of industry tactics we're gonna look back on I'd like to look back on the 80s and how this I've been listening a lot to that record lately, T- Title in Limbo, knowing that we were going to talk about it. I just want to know how how did that collaboration with the residents take place? Um, it's a beautiful co-release, right? Title in Limbo, and you don't really see that happening enough lately. I, I, at least I don't. Bands collaborating together on uh, making a record together. How did, how did that come to be?
2: Well, they, they just uh, while we were there, the residents just came up with this idea that we'd spend four days, uh, mo- um, we'd, we'd attempt to make an album in four days, right from just improvising, jamming together, to selecting the uh, pieces to work on, to lyrics, and we were going to try and do everything in four days.
3: Yeah, so we were all crammed in this small studio, improvising, as Dave says, um, just seeing what would happen. And there was a lot of there was a lot of audio came out of that, which we we all together selected bits what, we what thought you, worked, what like, and, or had potential. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah it was yeah. A, I think put onto eight track. Um and then we were supposed yeah. to split into two groups, weren't we? Uh, with well, basically the uh if I remember rightly, you know, I don't know, but there, there were, the next thing was like overdubs and also lyrics, singing potential and all that. Um, and half the residents were going to work with Dave. Um, I think it was probably on overdubs and stuff. Oh, like well, that. I wouldn't yeah.
2: have been working on the singing, definitely. No, you
3: wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I was going to work with... Uh, Other residents um, on the uh, the lyrics, the singing, perhaps some bits of instrumentation, and then on the final day we're all magically going to mix it into this album. Of course, it
2: Uh, yeah, it was. uh, We realised about um, probably on the third day that it was uh, the um, it was hopelessly ambitious. There's no way we were going to. Possibly finish well, it. Well, the
3: residents weren't there very much, were they? <laughs> so it, was, it was like uh, we did the jam and disagreed this, that, and the other. And I think it was probably by the third day it was evident that it would never happen. Um, so they basically shelved it. And we, I think, a couple of weeks later received a cassette uh, with a, a little bit of post-production work done by the residents uh, on the selections we'd made. Yeah and then it just stayed on the shelf and was called Four Days, D-A-Z-E. Um, uh, that was the working title one.
2: for yeah. it. I remember there was, there was one piece um, we called Disco Surrey.
3: Disco Surrey, yeah. Yeah,
2: because right. it sounded a little bit like, um, is it from Oklahoma? <laughs> Surrey with a fringe on top.
3: So <laughs> was we called was it like Dis- a, Disco okay. Surrey. I think the drum yeah. thing did a sort of, a <laughs> you know, the sort the horse sound and everything, and, and it had this yeah <laughs> <laughs> disco sorry yeah um,
2: that's What did that become? Oh, I don't think it was ever used. Um,
3: that that mm-hmm. just uh, stayed there.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah, that was never used. Um, some some of the pieces, you know, eventually sort of like came through on the final thing, but uh, you know oh, other wow. chunks of it just didn't get used.
0: The early nineteen eighties, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, those 4 days were were 81 81. Yeah. Um and had you had you you'd worked with them before, right? Like this wasn't really your first introduction. Oh, it was. So, no, uh, no this was
2: the first, yeah. 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 yeah, we were Yeah, and that's your we first were time. the urgent.
0: Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, for wow. my second time, but yeah, first my time. Fir- my first. My first time. but what's, it was time really in a studio, wasn't it? Yes. We'd never. We'd never. Well, it was our first time of actually
0: oh, yeah, because working in a
3: studio in environment for us, because. Well, yeah. no, we worked. No, we worked yeah. just basically in a
1: well, like a
2: bedroom. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the residence facilities yeah. were more sophisticated now, but I think probably the way they. I mean they had their own studio it was so uh, it was it was like working yeah. in our bedroom but a bit more sophisticated um i mean it wasn't like going into a uh, commercial studio no. where you got the pressure of time yeah yes. um you know because you're yeah. paying so much per hour you know which is so that's something we've well, i've never done I don't know.
3: yeah so yeah that that, well, that was different for us and um and then, as I say, it was just shelved, and it was a yeah. cassette that just stood on, you know, was just there. Um, we didn't, let say, forget about it. Right,
0: um, right, right. But, right.
3: Uh, you know, we didn't think anything was going to happen. Until 1983, we met up with the residents after the mole show in London, um, and they floated the idea of basically completing the project. And um, so basically... Yeah. Sort of thought, well, yeah, all right, let's <laughs> let's do that. Um, but um, you know, it's like, well, it was because it yeah. basically it was going to take a period of time to do it, and I think circumstances were such that you know David. I couldn't. We,
2: like, I only got three of weeks to, off of work
3: yeah. to to do it. Yeah. Wow! 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 Well, I took a bazooki, uh, which was in a oh. big black. Homemade flight case that looked like a coffin, um, and uh, and uh, Dave, you gave me a, wow, okay. a box full of loop box tapes. of
2: loop tapes, one of which one of which Great. became the hey, basis you for mahogany, mahogany wood. wood.
4: I wish I had houses instead of this hall. That somebody would put me inside. beside me, and sometimes he rocks me to sleep in a chair, for he knows that I need affection as much as a cud needs to bleed.
3: Wood is the only song on Titan Limbo that was created from scratch in 1983. It was because um, obviously, as Dave mm-hmm. pointed out, that the background loop, which is a great loop, um, created the song and uh, I played the bazooki on it and the residents played other stuff on it. Um, I remember the bazooki had to be played an overdub probably about four or five times in order to give the texture. And since uh, I kept on okay. fluffing, I had to do the whole thing from beginning to end in one go. Uh, and because uh, it was recorded on a 16-track tape. Um, and um, I remember that they, they basically the residents just was sort of like, well, got to about take number six or something. Said, look, I'll tell you what, we'll leave you to it. And um, I just left me there with the machine. And I ended up eventually recording this Bazooki stuff all the way through six times, Um, and um, then uh, basically we sort of did the singing, and um, I think it's the only track where the singing resident and I actually have our voices on top of each other, because it became very evident that my singing style and the resident's singing style were so different that it just couldn't sort of gel. Um, but that one sort of sort of worked in a particular way, and um, I, I, don't, I don't know, I think um, it's a beautiful Mahogany Wood is, is my beautiful personal beautiful favorite of the album. Um,
0: you're kind of touching on it a little bit here, the art of collaboration, like not having ever collaborated with the residents. I wonder, like just I'm, I'm, I'm cutting back to 1981 here. What was going through your heads as you're as you're making that flight to San Francisco? Are you kind of are, are you nervous about it, or are you pretty cool?
2: Well, we didn't we didn't know when we were on our way there. We had no idea. I mean, it was kind of intimated that we might do a bit of recording, but uh, the the idea of uh, trying to record an album was, you know, just um, kind of sprung upon us. And we we um, there wasn't really time to think about it. Like, well. By then, we'd actually been in the studio with them a bit. So I think we by then, we felt comfortable being in the studio. It didn't feel um, intimidating in any way. So when the, the idea was floated trying so the of trying to do the like, album, we just here, said, yeah, great, let's, that let's, like fun. let's go for it. Wow. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were in San Francisco for three weeks in total then, um, doing, I don't know, obviously sightseeing and um, hanging out at 444 Grove Street, which is their HQ. Uh, for records and you know getting to know everybody really well and all sorts of they you know, just basically hanging out and um, but it was all crammed as you know, basically into the last few days of our stay
1: hmm.
3: um, but doing you know doing the album uh, overdubs and working on it in 83 yeah. uh, that was that was real hard work um, the sense that the residents I don't know if it's typical of the way they continue to work or whatever but certainly for that there was a deadline for the project to be done and so it was a working week we'd start at nine in the morning half an hour for lunch and knock off at six in the evening
2: yeah i've read that elsewhere that's at that i don't know about now but at that time that they i mean it was very much like going to the office they clocked on at nine o'clock and Mm. clocked off at five o'clock six o'clock you know they they put in a full day's work on it
3: yeah very very disciplined and I uh, have and we got, we got weekends off um, <laughs> and so in basically the 15 working days the, the album was was done um, uh, it was mixed on the last afternoon I was there and it was just time to get me you know get my bags and get me to the airport uh, so it was all very you know deadline like uh, but I mean it was it was great. I mean the the way the album was done, it took the um, it took the the, the improvisation selections mm-hmm. they'd all been t- transferred onto a sixteen chat track tape, and they were used as templates in order to create songs with. And in some instances, the original improvisations pretty much got rubbed out, but are there in the spirit of what the piece became. In other ones, the more of the original improvisation is there, especially on Monkey and Bunny, for example. Um, that is still structured in a, in a, in a way which has um, got a lot of the original improvisation we did into it. So eventually these these songs emerged.
2: No, I didn't realise that about
3: someone being just used as a template. All of them were used as
2: templates. Oh, yeah, but then. Not being actually in the final mix, so to speak.
3: Well, they uh, basically some bits. I mean, some bits were replayed or uh, whatever that you know the residents had sort of listened you, to you it a lot. You say
2: that Snakefinger played some of my guitar parts again. He <laughs> did, yeah, but better. <laughs>
3: <laughs> watch watch Snakefinger play was actually pretty uh, pretty excellent. Talk, like, like something like um, that from the
0: Shoe Salesman. Was that would that have been Snakefinger or originally David or what?
3: Nate Finger played guitar on, um, uh, let me uh-huh. think. Uh, he played violin on Africa tree. Uh, it's on, it's on the, um, uh, uh, on the, um, CD notes. It, it says there's a, there's a couple, He played on two other, uh, he played on sitting, sitting in the sand, uh, and outro version. Um, and, uh, the rest of the, the guitar work is
0: is basically us. Big fan of his work. Oh
3: yeah, I mean, he's just so professional. I mean, he just he basically came in, listened back to the, the track, had a bit of a you know experiment around, and then base I think probably did it on second or third. Well, hmm. I think certainly by second take he'd done it, um, and just nailed it. Uh, which was uh, yeah, it was amazing. I mean, St. was such a you know a, a lovely guy, and um, um, you know we sort of. Uh, I mean, I remember when when I sort of first got there, um, and he came into the studio. He sort of said, "Oh, you know, sh- shall we jam?" And I'm thinking, "Wow, what?" <laughs> and, and I'm not the world's greatest guitarist for sure. And um, so I just got the bazooka and played a sort of a drone while he just played all this incredible stuff over the top of it. <laughs> Um, and our jam lasted about two minutes <laughs> <laughs> because, because there's only so much droning you could do <laughs> so, Yeah, anyway, so that, that was yeah. that that was an so experience. I, I, yeah, see, it was I great was
0: thinking that you might have brought some of your aerosol spray cans or your mixing bowls, but it sounds to me like the gear that you brought was In in 83 anyway was was nominal then It was it was it was a box of loops, eh? No, Ah! Yeah right right right. <laughs> yeah, well, just had to go on a plane, didn't it? I'm not going
3: to. I mean, I'm sure they got mixing bowls in San Francisco, but um, uh, no, it was um, whatever I could carry. I mean, it was the bazooka. I had a sort of an Egyptian one-string fiddle with me, and and uh, a sort of a, a blowing blowable device yeah, thing right. called a mesmer. Um, I took um, just because so I could carry them. Um and uh, yeah and it uh, it was it was um certainly uh, a major experience in 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 my creative life let's put the it that way.
0: This art of collaboration, right? It sounds like it got a lot more intense in '83 than it would have been organically spawning in in '81, right? '81 sounded like it was a very good time. The four days, here's a project, let's go, right?
3: Yeah, it was yeah. loose. So that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean. In, you know the studio that we um, worked in, at the we didn't use emulators or anything like that because all the kit from the Mole Show was still in Europe, and uh, so we we could only use the instruments that um, were in the cupboard basically in this studio, um, and so a lot of the sort of more sophisticated in- interesting stuff was not available and so we did it in a um, very much in the yeah. spirit of um uh make do with what you've got uh which 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 okay. you know yeah. certainly yeah. For dave and me, we're, we're, we're both used to right. that
2: yeah using what's to hand yeah. yeah
3: yeah 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 it's um i know there was one point we needed a keyboard and one of the residents nipped out a an macy's and came back with this really little casio keyboard um in order to, to sort of lay down some some organ sounds and things like that so i mean there's lots lots of lots of memories sure. from that time but so, you know, it's not time to really go into um, them now.
0: now now they had it, released some of your recordings i'm just trying to get a bit of a timeline there you they had released some of your work prior to this title in limbo and you going down there to, to meet with them right your oh, yeah. oh yeah 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 when
2: yeah. we mm-hmm. when we visited, when, when we visited in pretty much coincided with the release Uh of uh, larvae, didn't that?
1: Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, Yeah. it did. Mm.
2: And by the time... by the time... limbo was... yodeling was out by the time... before um, titling limbo came out.
0: how, How did they initially discover you? I'm just wondering about that, too. Like, was that just through a sharing of a share of a cassette tape? Or how did that come to be?
3: Well. I'd gone on holiday to San Francisco with some friends and wanted to buy some albums at Ralph Records and we'd just finished Struve Sneff. Oh. I took two copies of Struve Sneff with me to America um, and went in and But basically I phoned up beforehand saying oh can I come in and buy some records because it's not a shop mm-hmm. uh, and because I had a British accent they said oh yeah alright and uh, so i turned up and went into grove street and and bought my albums i wanted um and handed a cassette over and just said oh well you know this is what we've just done and the guy that sold me the records took it into this um, sort of studio thing and mm-hmm. said i'll listen to some now and he only oh, played three or four tracks and came out and just said um oh, i think this is excellent and i sort of looked i thought what well, okay great cool. you know <laughs> um and uh, he just said, if you got any more stuff? And I said, but we're always working. Uh, and um, and that was how it sort of happened. It was literally by just dropping a cassette in personally, although they got apparently boxes of cassettes sent in all the time. Um, it was just that the person that uh, we found out afterwards that, that listened to it was one of the residents. And it was the resident own wow, wow. recommendation to that's Ralph
0: records stuff that you just happen to kind of you know what I mean they go in there and, and and improvise that and that is very much a timing thing it sounds like but it's also the beauty of your music standing out I think if, if they heard that they must have been so impressed I'm imagining right well, it's I like
3: really a lot of what's happened to us has right. happened by accident do you still... mm. sorry
2: maybe if we just sent a tape, posted it to them, then it would have ended up in a box yeah. and uh,
0: adventure, eh?
2: none of this would have happened.
3: Yeah, it's just grasping the moment when it's there, but it's it's
0: it's just good luck. And, and so and moment, I imagine it must have been really hard to communicate with <laughs> them back then, right? Like, Or at least a lot more challenged than it is now. Yeah,
2: I think we just, uh, we had a letter from them, didn't we, saying that um, they yeah. were interested uh,
3: in uh, maybe releasing some stuff. Well, eventually, mm-hmm. I and mean, that's right, I mean because mm. they actually pestered us for more material and we were just doing our own thing as we normally did and there was these letters, so, oh yeah, you're going to send us some more stuff, and so I said, oh, alright, and so we put together a promo cassette wow. called Songs from the Surgery, sent it over, and And then, cut two or three months later, we sent another one called Hats Off Gentleman. And I think it was like middle of 1980, a letter just arrived out of the blue. Mm. Saying, our um, A&R guy is going to be getting in touch with you. Um, We'd like to put out an album. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, okay. It was like, well, I couldn't believe it really, you Mm.
1: know.
3: Yeah. But... um, those heady days of 1980, goodness me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's, that's how, how it happened. I, I don't know if we really think about it, do we? What's that? that? How it sort of happened that much. It just... No, you just, it, just, it just happened. We didn't dwell on it, really. It was yeah. like, wow. I mean, they get the big high of, wow, we got the, offered this contract with the, yeah. you know, what we consider one of the coolest labels ever and all that sort oh. of thing. Um and um and we just got on with it
0: so that's what's kind of exciting about it is the idea that you you had these lives running parallel to this this very strange music that you're kind of making and even the process of the way you're you're getting it done just sounds very natural you're not trying too hard but you're just kind of doing your thing right and it's, it's very charming in the end as to how they found that and kind of helped ma- maximize yeah, it or yeah. share it with a larger audience. The residents
3: uh, are playing uh, at a festival in North Wales in a month's time, um, and uh, I'm planning to go up for that festival, um, so hopefully get to say hello to, uh, to them then as well so yeah we, we, we meet up say hello when we
0: can that sort of thing um, can we can we, uh, let, let's play another track from, from title and limbo I'd love to play shoe salesman that's one of my favorite if you don't mind
5: see my mother She told me of a lover She had a long, long time ago She'll never have another He put her on his bed And looked at her instead out of fiction. Love comes out of friction. Purity is interesting, but so is superstition. Very much for her.
0: About that track, any memories?
1: Yeah, I mean, the
3: the backing of that is one of the improvisations, Um, and I just remember mainly singing uh, because I was very self-conscious when I was singing because because the, the way that the music came out was okay, quite sort of structured in a residential fashion. Uh, and I didn't want to be a, a, a Brit doing an impression of the residents. Um, and so I was trying to figure out how to, how to sing, speak, sing it and, and my bits that I did. Uh, and I do remember sort of like just doing it. I think I was a two takes and that was it. Principally, just one resident does the main singing uh... and um that's you that's yeah you. and i'll play kazoo it's a fine moment <laughs> in music
0: history and,
3: yes oh yeah yeah um... I, kinda, I don't know really i'd have to sort of stop and think i can't remember or It's a lot of it is uh, reasonably fuzzy um... in the if i sat down deliberately and tried to reminisce um, i would get more detail but um... Uh, I, I can't remember any more than just feeling a bit self-conscious I mean, and how on earth should need I need do the vocal on this thing. No. Know. The lyrics were all written by the residents. Uh, the, the singing resident always carried around a notebook, and that notebook well, it would have ideas and lyrics in them and um, would basically mm-hmm. take some out and adapt as necessary for the songs. Um, so all the lyrics were actually um, done by, by right. then, and not parts
0: uh, I David, I'd kind of like to get into into what that must have felt like to um, when it came back in 83, having sent that box of loops, what was that like for you to just hear that final product?
2: I can't remember at what point I actually, I don't think I actually, did you come back with
3: a tape? Ta- a yeah, tape it
2: I, I can't really, re- right, I can't right. really remember to be honest, Rich. Long, long time ago
3: yeah they, they gave us some um, mm-hmm. uh, I was able to bring back a seven and a half inch per second mix of it um, and yeah you know, we well, you know we obviously sat down and listened to it
0: how any of this stuff was made so I was really impressed with even our last conversation as to how much of the construction of these tunes you guys do retain but I imagine this one was a little different in that sense right
3: yeah yeah. I think so. I think it was it was different in that when we did our stuff, we, we tended to keep um, sketch versions mm. of, of songs uh, as they were being generated. And so we could listen back to them and remember how they were constructed. Yeah. Um, with that, with this one, it was yeah. just like full on straight in at one end and out the other
0: bands collaborating together it's and i'm just it's it's cool to me that you guys got together in this fashion and it's a co-release i don't see i don't see enough of that happening you know and it sounds like it just happened accidentally almost through hanging out right
2: i don't think there are too many uh, instances of that <clears throat> not many that i can think of where two bands well the only other one i can think of off the top of my head is slap happy and henry cow that's the only one i think of where the two who were quite well very different yeah. came together and made uh, albums together and uh, a yeah, very very successful marriage in in a lot of ways but I can't think
3: of anyone else no uh, I can't think you know it was it, was, it, it wasn't a designed yeah. thing I think it you know it was like a fun thing to start and then it became a designed thing uh, because i think it's fair to say that um after the mole show that that ralph records went through some difficult times and also it was an expedient thing to basically make a record and it helped us a lot the our 50 percent of the royalties um bought us a 16 channel mixer an eight track tascam uh some effects units Mm. And, and i'm sure that it it helped residents and ralph records um but i, I you, you know, know resurrect themselves
0: as well it's a really cool thing when you talk about that that marriage of, of two different sounds coming together i can almost like on, on first listen just go oh yeah there's ronaldo and the loaf there's the residents and you could just sort of see this this kind of little little the overlap is is quite impressive right it's it's it's, it's a fun thing that you don't hear enough of i mean it's Way ahead of its time, if you think of the um, mashing, mashing up. You guys were mashing up your both of your sounds back then, right? Yeah, I think
3: they. Everybody acknowledges that it don't sound like either band. You know, it doesn't sound like either pair. It's not like you know, just as you would expect if you get that. Yeah, and you. you well, uh, um. So it is a what hybrid. What's that, David? Oh,
2: The bass oh. <laughs> yeah well you, the, you, didn't, bring, I mean, you didn't bring child. a lot of
0: your your gear i mean it just sounds like yeah it is it is, a, it is the, the bastard love child it's very cool um so so uh, what was that <laughs> okay so also can i assume that your association with the residents <laughs> led to that incredibly strange video that um graham whiffler did for uh, the songs for swinging larvae
2: that came about in 1981 when we went over in 1981 it was um well
1: we met we met graham didn't we yeah he, yeah,
2: yeah. While, while we were there oh, he yeah. was shooting a tuxedo moon video and um, we we actually watched some of the um mm-hmm. some of the uh, scenes being uh, video and um there was talked about at the time about doing a video and we had some discussion with him about the kind of things that we uh well the the songs we wanted to use and um some of the effects like the back the backward effects we talked about that but there was no discussion at that time of uh, what the content would be that was the the content was um pretty much down to to graham he he dug up the story and uh
3: Oh, yeah. Well, one of the tracks that we did suggest we want to use is one of a donut.
1: Hmm.
3: We hmm. Uh, with the which is like an adult and a kid ah. going along the street. Um, basically, the kid annoying the adult, and um, whether that in some way made Graham think, I don't know. But certainly, as Dave hmm. says, like ultimately, what was used the story um, is probably it's not something we would have ever chosen. No.
1: Yeah.
3: Um. It's a piece of art, a piece of film. Um, it's one of the first ever multiple yeah. track um, f- music films, if you like. Uh, is It's very cleverly done. I mean, the sets are really interesting and good and uh, film Great. Right. As, yeah. as time's gone on, of course, the yeah. subject matter has yeah, got extremely touching. Going,
0: uh, wow, yeah. This would have been made if it was 2017. I mean, it's just—it's what a masterpiece, though, right? It's done in innocence.
3: I mean, the, the thing is, it's a true story from a San Francisco newspaper, um, where this this yeah. guy was nuts, uh, kidnapped a, a, a young child. Not that nothing sexual in it whatsoever, um, but he was loopy and wanted a playmate basically, Um, and it was about, you know, that's what Graham based it on. Um, So, but of course now, adults and children, everyone thinks it's a, yeah. it's his extremely sensitive subject uh, yeah, worldwide. But, yeah. what,
0: a, what a strange output with the soundtrack, it's, just, it's a real coming together. We had
3: very little to do with it, actually, apart from, you know, we were god knows how many miles away, uh, We and uh, no email. And we didn't even get to see it for no, us, several years uh, afterwards. It was about 1983 before we got to see it. Um, we, they sent us a, a real, a film, you know, on a reel, but we had no means to play it. Uh, and then we lent it to Double Vision, who were doing one of the first video cassette magazines, and they featured it on there, and that's where we got to see it.
2: One of the funny things about it, though, is something that I only learnt all within the last year. Reading what's it? Is it Ian Shirley's? Ian Shirley's book. was ne- okay. uh, it? Never. What's it called? Never known, Question? Never known questions. Never known there. questions. There's a bit in there about. Um, Graham Wiffler's work with uh, with Ralph Records, and apparently, and I we had no idea about this at the time. Apparently, it cost twenty thousand dollars to make the songs for Swinging Lavo video, right? Which was a big sum of money. Well, I mean, it's mm-hmm. fairly big yeah. sum of money now. It was a very big sum of money back in nineteen eighty one. And I just when I read that, I, I said to Brian, if if in uh, 1981. Ralph yeah. Records has said, "Well, we we've got a budget of twenty thousand dollars. You can we can either make a, a a video, or you can have the you can use the money to buy uh, studio equipment." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know yeah. what we would have, well, which we would have opted for, <laughs>
3: <laughs> and it wouldn't have been the video. Well, something in the book, wasn't there something in the book about they had to? Film it all again because it was out of. Focus. It was out
2: of, A lot of it was out of focus, and I had to re-film it, which oh, I, probably I it accounts all of for
0: the, the, uh, <laughs> some
2: of the cost. The yeah. red
0: liquid. That's got to run a bill, right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> you, you should check out Ian Shirley's book. It's got some really interesting stuff in it to to read. That adds hmm. a lot of. Mm. Nuances What's to you know, the Ralph Ring resident story as well.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, it really makes me wonder. Like when when you see a video like that, do your friends and family? When you show that to your friends and family, or just in general,
2: what are they? Th- it's not the sort of thing I would do, Rich.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I
3: think I showed my wife the video when I was good to. I actually it was my, before we were married, and she still married me. Um, mm. But. Uh, When they showed, you know, they used it um, in the Resident's Icky Flick show, um, and where the Resident did a a cover version of our songs for that. And uh, Mm -hmm. this was in, uh, I think, Queen Elizabeth Hall or Royal Festival in London, hundreds of people, and they showed the film. And you could sort of sense there was like this I don't know really, it was like not shock, but. Total engagement into it, but it was like they'd never seen anything like it before. And fact, if it wasn't for the, the subject matter, it would be considered a great art yeah. Yeah. piece, if you see what I mean, as a piece of film. Um, and uh, and, I, and I know I just sat there and I know I, I sort of like um, went
0: hot and cold. Saw it on that Flix tour, I guess it would have been in Toronto and same same reaction you just saw you've kind of felt a wave over the crowd mm. though. what the fuck are we watching this um it was amazing i mean it, but um mm. I, yeah i wasn't sure how much of a hand you had in it at that point and i just went wow this is the one of the ones that got away at, that i'd never really checked out from your work so it brought me right back to your work you know well you should yeah. look on look on youtube because um somebody
3: posted it some years ago and over but two hundred and sixty thousand views or something. Okay. But the comments are that sounds fun. are really That's interesting. A
0: fun time! I will do that and recommend our <laughs> listeners do too. Um, I, I, just as we wrap up, I want to I want I want to end with um, Sailor Song, if if you will indulge me. But uh, before we we cut to that, just I guess the question applies too to your music. What do your overall now apart from Title and Limbo? What do your friends and family do they know how kind of legendary you are? How, do, how does it work when you're out there in Wales looking at the at the sheep walking by here? Do the sheep know?
2: Well, no, definitely, definitely not. not. <laughs> I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot of people, people that are uh, friends of, that i mm-hmm. made here in Wales, they, they, they don't, don't even know that I, I do music. music. I, I mean, mean it's, it's not, not the sort of... Sort unless it cropped up in conversation, conversation which it by and it, large and it doesn't, um, it's, it's not, not in my, my nature to really go out and say to people by the way, way uh, yeah. i'm a musician i've made x number of albums and we've got we've got one of the strangest cult music videos of all time it's just not it's just not my nature to do
0: that a real treat how time flies our monthly check-in with ronaldo and the loaf i'm hoping this can become a, a bit of a tradition i just love chatting with you guys it's a real pleasure i, I I really appreciate you making time again to uh, to kind of go even a little deeper with uh, with what we missed in, in round one. Oh, oh, that's all right. right.
3: Yeah. That it's fine. it's fine.
0: fine. Okay, unfortunately, I had to cut it a little bit short there. It just got a little too Rod Coddy with the uh, Skype connection. I do apologize again for the quality of, of this uh, this podcast for today, but wow. Beautiful talk with Brian Poole and, and David Jensen, Ronaldo and the Loaf. Thanks again, gentlemen, for opening up about this wonderful project. Uh, their co-release with The Residents from the early 80s, title in Limbo, and we were going to end it with Sailor Song from that record, but um, decided to do something a little more special. That weekend that I spoke with Ronaldo and the Loaf, it was actually the uh, the weekend that... David Jensen had released his solo project uh, under the name The Darkening Scale. This is uh, this is one of the tracks from that release. So hope you enjoyed. It's called Continental Drift. And thanks again, gentlemen, for uh, for sharing time and insight. And uh, we'll see you again next time on Industry Tactics.